0: Harry Bridge and I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We're coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for May 6th, 2016, and today we're talking about introspection. So one uh, kind of interesting characteristic about Buddhism is that a lot of it, I think, is really kind of uh, internally oriented, uh, and internal meaning the interior of the mind, uh, so maybe kind of introspective, uh, that could be maybe uh, contrasted with the Greek tradition. Uh, where with philosophy and how you know that tradition seems to have been both internal and external, right? And so, uh, bringing up Big Bang Theory and the episode when Sheldon's trying to teach um, Penny about physics, and he begins in the marketplace, right? And the um, how, and of course, I have to think of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and um, all that we are is dust in the wind, dust. Wind, <laughs> right? <And> so <laughs> it's um. What are you talking about? <laughs> talking about Socrates.
1: Oh, Socrates. <laughs>
0: uh, Socrates and the um, right? This um, that. I mean, physics is rooted in the Greek philosophers, right? Um, and Buddhism seems to have gone into some kind of kind of atomic kind of theory, um, but I think that a lot of it uh, was more psychological than um, physical. Out in the physical world, uh, and so I think that a, a big aspect of Buddhism is this kind of introspective turn right and um watching the mind, seeing the mind, uh controlling the mind, right, and uh maybe those are some of the kind of dynamics uh, of Buddhism and Buddhist practice uh trying to to this um introspective kind of internal uh kind of view
1: and I'm going to disagree with everything you said see. <laughs> But mostly the point about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <totally kidding. laughs> Actually, there's a um, Frank Zappa Kickstarter, because he died like 20 years ago now. Um, but there's a Kickstarter um, to have people donate money so that they can um, work on the archives of Frank Zappa's recorded um, recordings. He has so, much, so many recordings that haven't been cataloged and released. Uh, and the person doing it is um, the guy who was Bill.
1: What are we talking about? (laughs) Where are we going with any of this?
0: (laughs) Control the mind.
1: No, you can't control the mind.
0: No? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think that seems like one thing that Buddhism ostensibly tries to do, without thinking about it too deeply, right? Is to control your mind, control your actions. Um, But you disagreed with me at lunch. Yeah, I
1: I did. Well, I didn't necessarily disagree with you. I kind of disagreed with you. I had an open question Mm -hmm. as to whether or not we can talk about what Buddhist practice is as controlling the mind in a particular way. So Mm -hmm. I did the annoying professor thing of saying, well, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Controlling the mind, right? (laughs) Uh, Which is, uh, you know, it's an annoying uh, occupational hazard of... uh, college professors to say, what do you mean by that? But nevertheless, it's a, it's a sincere question. Mm-hmm. What do we mean when we say control the mind? And if that is, and is that what's actually happening in, um, particularly Buddhist, certain kinds of Buddhist meditation? I won't say all meditation or all Buddhist practice, but um, you know, I think a case could be made against the idea of controlling the mind, that you're not actually controlling the mind because that to me implies um, uh, a, a sort of level, level of mastery over your internal dialogue or your thoughts or your emotions. And that seems rather different to me than, say, the, the rhetoric you hear in some mindfulness or, or Zen meditative practices where you're just watching the mind mm-hmm. and you're allowing thoughts to come and letting them go and not necessarily um, dictating anything mm-hmm. or forcing anything. Controlling the mind sounds to me like colonar. I brought up the Star Trek this time. Yes. <laughs>
0: You did bring up the wrong term.
1: I got Col... No, it's Colinar.
0: Oh, I know it's Colinar. <laughs> that's not what you said originally. I got it
1: right this time. <laughs> <laughs> this time you Because <laughs> I'm controlling my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the Vulcan practice of Colinar. So that's like... Um, I was watching the um, old episode, original series episode. I think it's called Project Annihilation or something. Um, Mission Annihilation or something. And it's mm-hmm. the one with the... Um, these kind of... They're supposedly one-celled creatures from a brain. They're one-celled brain cell creatures. Or something, and yeah, attaches yeah. itself to Spock's back. And um, the people are going insane in these different star systems. Uh, and uh, Spock gets um, attacked by one of them and then controls his mind. Is right. able to, I mean, they, they're kind of skeptical, I think, but then they realize, no, he's the one doing it um, and is able to control his emotions, mm-hmm. right? So... And it's not really um, gone into in such a technical level until the, what, the films? I think so. um, They start introducing more terminology and everything. They didn't have the time when they were doing the original episodes. No.
1: They were probably also under constant threat of being canceled, so. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But so, as far as, as
1: far as I remember, and this is where I'm sure our, our listeners are going to come and, and argue with us about what kolinar actually is, but that's, that's the ritual by which a Vulcan purges all emotions and then gains mastery over their emotions and their mind, right? I don't think that Buddhism is doing that. Mm-hmm. So if we mean that in Buddhist practice, you learn how to control the mind or control your emotions, I don't think that's the same thing as as, as This is That's <laughs> a, the weirdest sentence I've ever said. Uh, no, not the weirdest sentence I've ever said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have those on record in <laughs> earlier episodes.
1: <laughs> but, but there's something else going on. But then, you know, we were also talking earlier about the... Um, Uh, uh, if we mean controlling the mind in a different way, um, maybe that is right. Um, So here I'm thinking about um, the sort of imagery of uh, purifying the mind, which comes up in certain Zen and um, Vajrayana context, right? Where you you purify the mind of uh, of impurities, Mm -hmm. cleanse the mirror of the mind to see the true stuff. That to me implies a some sort of, I'm not sure if it's maybe it's just the control I'm hung up on, some sort of mastery of one's Mm -hmm. um, inner Psychology or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I clearly have no control over my mind, so who am I to talk? Right.
0: <laughs> and so we don't want to talk too much about, um, I mean, that would be an interesting survey of Buddhist traditions and see mm-hmm. um, what are the, um, yeah, what is the relationship with the mind and the different practices. Uh, one interesting thing, though, is I think that kind of traditionally in Buddhism, med- maybe meditation isn't necessarily controlling the mind. But it's usually done in the context of sila or shila, um, discipline, moral discipline. Mm. So there is control being done, right? That as a monk, you're taking um, the vinya, you're going following monastic rules, right? And so you're controlling your behavior. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is a certain amount of control uh, involved in, in some of the traditions. And, you know, That's more controlling
1: l- behavior, not mind.
0: And yet behavior is three kinds, right? Um, bodily, speech, and mental activity, right? And so uh, I think that, uh, I, I bet we could, I'd be willing to bet and we'll have yeah, to do I, the work I
1: later. bet we could make an argument on either side of those, but I, I mm-hmm. would, I'm going to hold my ground here and say that the, the divinia is not about controlling the mind, it's about controlling your behavior mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not necessarily about purifying the mind and that, that tripartite mm-hmm, schema. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to let that one go for now. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to cede the point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and yet... Buddhism is very mind oriented. Right. And um, yeah. So, so what's happening? I think a lot of it maybe is more um, watching the mind, mm. right? Seeing the mind, i um, seeing how the mind works.
1: Yeah. Very importantly, I think understanding how the mind works. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that um, maybe shamatha, um, the um, uh, concentration practices could mm-hmm. be certain kind of control. Right? kind of trying to focus either on the breath or um, focusing on a single point or the kind of um, single-pointed mind kind of thing of, of, of manipulating the mind in that way and focusing on a certain thing um, may be um, one aspect that I don't do personally. I mean, that's part of the problem for me to talk about is that I'm not engaging in these practices.
1: So what right? do you know? Right.
0: <laughs> well, I'll move on to what I know later, what I think I know. Um, so... Um, but definitely, I think that I'd be willing to bet that Buddhism is very. I mean, that's one of the interesting things to me is how. Um, see, and I could be wrong. I don't know anything about physics. I don't know that much about Western philosophy, right? But this kind of so this
1: whole um, episode has been a sham, is what? You're yeah, saying.
0: <laughs> this whole the whole past ten years or whatever however long we've been doing this. How long have we been doing this? Um, a while. Don't lose your thought.
1: I'm okay. sorry. I keep um, you, you go on. You just go. <laughs>
0: But just so the title of this episode is introspection, uh, or the topic at the very least, and so um, recognizing that in Buddhism is very introspective and uh, looking at the mind at the very least and Mm -hmm. and, uh, what's going on in there. Yeah, trying to be aware of it, if not trying to adjust it, if not trying to change it, right? Um, And I think that ultimately, in a way, it is about hopefully adjusting the mind so that you're more in accord with the Buddhist teachings, right? Going more in, in um, compassion, uh, away from the three poisons. I think a lot of that stuff is kind of mind-oriented, right? Um, anger is being angry at others, right? Um, the, the, um, uh, having negative feelings towards what other people do or, or who other people are. Um, desire is this kind of wanting other things, right? Um, attachment to um, things outside of us, and ignorance, right, is the mind thinking that it knows the way things are, but being wrong, right? That actually things are di- maybe different than uh, how we think they are. Uh, so I think we could put the three poisons. I mean, again, the the three, the um, lots of threes, but um, the three kinds of action, right? Bodily, mental, and verbal. Right. And, um, uh, a lot of that is related to the three poisons, right. And that, uh, ultimately it seems to be mind oriented. Um, and I don't have any quotes with me, but I think we can find lots of quotes about the mind as kind of the, the, the centerpiece of everything. And, you know, our activity is related to our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our action is unconscious, automatic breathing, right. Um, using our body um maybe B- buddhism part of that is that kind of mindfulness kind of thing of becoming more aware of how much goes on how much is is happening that's beyond our conscious awareness um yeah but that we're not mindful of not aware of
1: yeah all right <laughs> you
0: convince me <laughs> so one area that this is connected to i think one aspect is this internal, introspective side. Mm-hmm. But another part is how do we relate to others? Mm-hmm. How do we relate to the world around us? Um, and that that's, if it was all internal, if we could just sit in a room and be by ourselves, maybe we'd have a lot less problems. Yeah. <laughs> right? But. Um, uh, different episode, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that the reality of being in the world is we have to deal with others. Right? And that, um, again, though, mind is central in that, but now it's moved beyond it, just purely internal and um, kind of including our actions towards others, um, how we interpret the actions of others. Right? Uh, and so uh, one um, thing that I've been thinking about lately is Nikon, which I'm not that familiar with. It's not the camera. Um, <laughs> for the longest time, every time I heard about Nikon, I thought they were talking about cameras. And then realize, oh, no, Nikon is like See, something ignorance. different. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be, the camera is not really Nikon, it's Nikon. So Japanese people, they hear Nikon, and if you say camera, they're like, what? And if they hear, no, it's Nikon. But in English, it gets pronounced Nikon, right? Um, but this is Nikon, um, which it should be pronounced that way in Japanese. <laughs> N-I-K-O-N is a camera. I'm talking nai K A N. Uh huh. Um, Nai.
1: <laughs> Hang in there, folks. so This is going somewhere. <laughs>
0: yep. Nai is like inside. Uh huh. Um, and Kan is to see or contemplation. Um, and so this is, uh, um, I was uh, introduced to it at a uh, Fuken, one of the ministers' seminars, mm-hmm. back when I started. I think it was back. 2006 or 2008 or something. Oh, a a happier time. Yeah. Simpler time ago. Yep. Almost 10 years ago. (laughs) Um, And, uh, it's a practice, not necessarily Buddhist. I think it might have roots in even Shinshu Buddhism, although I'm not exactly sure. Um, but it's
1: definitely was, am I wrong about that?
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I think it might've been kind of a splinter off of like a Shinshu group. Well, yeah, but Um, still like, anyway, go on. So I,
1: A splinter off of a Shinshu group would still have some roots in Shinshu. Uh, Anyway, but but certainly not like uh, a thing that was like started by the Hongganji or something. But
0: But anyway. So the way I learned it is that there's um, three questions that you kind of reflect on and maybe even write stuff down. And those are, um, and it's related to a person, although it could be an object as well. Um, But if you think of it as a person, um, what have I received from this person? Uh, what have I given to this person, and what troubles and difficulties have I caused this person? Right. So these three kind of questions that you uh, think about whether each day or in a more engaged kind of um, intensive retreat kind of thing, right? But um, but those three questions, right? What have I uh, received? Uh, what have I given? So that seems kind of reciprocal, possibly, right? But then also, what troubles have I caused this person? Right, So, um, but starting to recognize maybe that um, not only, and the, the question that's not asked is what trouble has this person caused me? Right? Which I think is kind of interesting. That one's easy. I think mean, part of it is that's easy. I have no problem finding things to complain about. Okay. Boy, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, different episode though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which may never be aired because <laughs> it'd be six hours long. A <laughs> list of grievances. <laughs> but, um, I mean, a lot of it is kind of gratitude-based, I think, right? Recognizing how much I've received. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and not focusing on how much trouble I've received, mm-hmm. how much trouble I've been caused. Um, but then only on the, I, the side of how much trouble have I caused others, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe not something that uh, I like to think about that much or tend to think about. Maybe most of the time we don't. We just kind of ignore that aspect or don't yeah. focus on it.
1: Yeah. Sure. Well... Thinking about how much trouble we cause, other people oftentimes will violate our own personal narratives, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The story that we tell ourselves about how we're good people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or at least I do. I- I'm not telling you <laughs> how good a person you are. <laughs> it's really hard to be sincere this episode. <laughs> but but I, I just, seriously though, I mean, you know, I think that most of us probably walk around with some sort of internal dialogue or or personal story or a narrative we're telling about ourselves to explain our behavior and justify our actions. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to speak for others in that case. So for myself, I know that I I have my own sort of personal narrative of who I think I am. And when I come into contact with events or things that I do, Or people tell me, you know, I've done something that has hurt them or or whatnot, then that might run contrary to that personal narrative and that's something that I don't necessarily want to deal with. And I'm assuming that's an experience that is probably familiar to many people who, you know, when they come up against, um, you know, a reality of something they've done that's what, you know, was harmful or insulting or offensive or they disappointed somebody or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, uh, you know, mundane or... Anything, you know, from the very mundane to a serious transgression, you know, it's hard to sort of own up Mm -hmm, to -hmm. your shortcomings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like you were saying, it's easy to find examples of the ways in which other people have disappointed us or have hurt us. That's that's not that's not hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's much more challenging to say, oh, in these particular situations, you know, I failed somebody or did something that is not um, my of, of the best of attentions or, or whatnot. So
0: yeah, a lot of times I think the initial reaction is to deny it. No, that's not what I meant. Oh, you misheard me. Right. 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 Yeah, that's not what I was saying at all. Yeah. Right. And, um, it's really hard not to do that, not to react in that way and to really listen and hear, um, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Tell me about it, <laughs> you know, cause it makes us feel bad and maybe, um, chips away at the narrative that we have mm-hmm. in our head of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so so maybe that's part of this exercise, too, is to um, get a um, different picture of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? To To try. And that's part of the problem, maybe. Like, trying, I think part of the introspection is to try and see what's going on inside. But it's hard to do that by yourself mm-hmm. because our mind is so good at throwing up these mechanisms of not letting us see ourselves, not letting us see the stuff we don't want to see. Mm. Right. Um, And maybe the personal narrative is part of that. Right. it's this kind of mechanism of um, a way to survive of like, this is what I am. This is who I am. And I think I'm basically a good person and um, whatever. Right. And that um, that's the working of the mind too. Right. And we think (laughs) that that's the way it is. um, But maybe if we can, um, take this opportunity of Nikon or whatever to um, different techniques to um, try and see from a different perspective and to think more about stuff that maybe we don't normally want to think about. Um, The interesting thing of whether it's Shinshu derived or not, or whether it's, you know, kind of Buddhist is that I think that Shinshu also has a um, reflective side to it. Uh, And Shinran seems to have been deeply reflective and Mm -hmm. been able to see um, parts of himself that, um, Maybe the normal person isn't willing or able to, Um, but it's in the context of Amida Buddha, right? It's not just me, right? It's that I am a foolish being, but also that Amida Buddha is this compassionate reality that embraces me as I am, right? Mm -hmm. And these two kind of two sides of the coin, Uh, and maybe without even—I think we might even go so far as to say even without the— light of the Buddha without this compassionate context, maybe I can't really see myself. Kind of interesting. We need the sun to be able to see the shadow is one of the kind of metaphors that they use. Hmm. Um, So that's what I wonder about the Nikon. I have to do a little more um, digging. Um, But I think that um, just trying to find the negative stuff about yourself is not a good exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like to to um. I think there's healthy introspection and unhealthy introspection. Sure, yeah. It can turn kind of negative and pessimistic and um,
1: uh, debilitating. Even
0: yeah, depending right. on the person. I mean, that's yeah, kind of
1: the thing, right? You got to yeah. figure out what works for certain people and not. I, I'm always suspicious whenever people say, "Oh, this is a great thing for everybody to do." It's like ah, probably not. <laughs> no matter what it is, whether it's you know. You know, a particular religious practice or a therapy or, you know, a diet or, you know, anything, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's different and everybody has their own particular things. And you might say to somebody, you know, this practice is really, really good and it's going to help you through a particular you know, part of your life or whatnot. And then you tell somebody else and they're, you know, psychologically unstable and they engage in this practice and end up making themselves worse mm-hmm. than they were mm-hmm. before. And then that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go back and say, how have I failed people? See, right, right. it's a vicious <laughs> cycle. It <just> never ends. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah so um but I think that's good in a way too to recognize the um these different aspects of um introspection and um I think that Buddhism does it within certain contexts of the three poisons and you know the different narratives of Buddhism right of of um what positive activity is and what negative activity mm-hmm. is and um what the good direction to go in is and not so good um and part of it is trying to see things as they are wisdom but that's a very high ideal which i think <laughs> is very difficult to just attain in everyday life you know that we don't see things i mean but i think that's part of shinshu too and maybe part of buddhist introspection is to realize that the way i'm seeing things is not the way things really are yeah and some kind of meditative like abhidharma kind of stuff of trying to break down our perception and our mind, right, is to see that there's all this crazy stuff going on, all these emotions and all these sense organs and um, sensory data, right? And that we're constantly interpreting it and constantly judging and constantly um, making these judgments of good, bad, or neutral, right? And is that how things really are, or is that judgment-based? And is that based from the way I want things to be or wish things weren't, you know? And but. Part of that process is not necessarily controlling it, but recognizing it. Maybe so more awareness rather than control. I'm mm-hmm. um, going back to I think your point earlier on, right And, and I think part of just um, trying to get Star Trek back in there right <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> part of the mindfulness thing too, right is um, seeing it without judgment. Yeah, I think right. Just be aware of it. Not that, oh, this is bad. So that's maybe part of the rhetoric of control. These are bad. These yeah. are good. Try to do the cultivate the good um, my, good states of mind and try and cut off the negative states of mind, which to me resonates a little bit with some kinds of Buddhism, right? That we want to cultivate good um, behavior and good activity sure. yeah. and good states of mind, the Brahma Viharas, for example, right? Um, but... Yeah, control has a kind of different nuance to it. that yeah. I think you don't like, <laughs> which I don't like. You're coming around though. <laughs> it sounds to me like you don't like it either.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, part of my my hesitancy—I'm going to call it that—just um, you know, it has to do with my concern about reading into the traditional, the you know, the traditional sources or the tradition, or sort of you know, modern expectations or understandings of those terms. I mean mm-hmm. introspection for example is a word that has a certain has a, a range of meanings and I think in some ways it makes sense in a Buddhist context but in other ways it doesn't. You know, I mean are you you know you could say that you're being introspective when you're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with your life or what kind of career to have or what school to go to for college or you know those those are ways of being introspective that I don't think are necessarily the same as the kind of Hardcore Abhidharma deconstruction of the mind, kind of introspection, right? So that's just a challenge of translation. Similarly, with um, you know controlling the emotions, you know, I, you know, I'm not a textual expert, so I'm certainly not going to sit here and say nowhere does the Buddha say you should never control your mind, you know, like that's that would be um, ridiculous of me. At the same time, I know that controlling the mind has a range of meanings in our particular social historical context, including. Spock and Kolonar and, (laughs) and, and also, you know, other, you know, sort of other, you know, everyday kind of things like, you know, um, uh, you could argue that, um, you know, in contemporary America, men, for example, are sort of expected to control their emotions and not show emotion. Right. That's a sort of a gendered aspect of our personalities. Right. You know, don't, you know, men don't cry. That's a sort of controlling your emotions. And I, you know, I don't think that's what is, what's intended in the original, you know, Buddhist tradition, Um, so there's, there's those kinds of nuances that I think we should just pay attention to, because if you just, this is one of the dangers, right. Of just trying to interpret Buddhism in a contemporary context is, is using some sort of, um, vernacular language and just sort of putting it out there. And then somebody runs with it and they go run with it in a direction that you're like, oh, that's not at all what I meant. Right. And then it just gets, it gets more confused and more, Mm -hmm.
0: um, less controlled. That's what happens. It all comes back to control. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to control the terminology. I absolutely am. By being against the terminology of control. Exactly. That's what you're
1: saying. It's, it's a meta discourse. Is what it is. <laughs> I, I really have no idea what we're talking about. We just started talking about you know it's Bill and Ted. I, you know, I'm just trying Frank to catch up. I'm just trying
0: to stuff up and Bill and Ted in, in the, the
1: first two episode. minutes of the yep. episode. It was yep. like it was a, I'm just trying to catch up at this point. <laughs>
0: Um, there actually is a rift in the Zappa family, apparently, apparently right now. <laughs> One of the children is for this idea and two others aren't. Um, I don't know. See? Watching they, families they, fight they makes me control,
1: sad. They have control, you know? They, yeah. they want to control it. Or
0: wanting, but but it's kind of interesting, wanting to control the <clears throat> the um, family um, legacy sure. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of makes me sad. But... That's what happens when you get more than one person in the room. You start to get conflict, <laughs> right? And especially family, maybe. Or, yeah. um, but I think family is a lot of the time too, where we have the least amount of introspection, right? That the it's so kind of push button, and you know.
1: And isn't there like a family aspect to that the Nikon thing? I feel like when I first heard about Nikon, there was a sp- explicit like you you do you ask those questions specifically in regards to family members.
0: Maybe so. Not so much the stuff that I just read on the internet and that I, I remember, uh-huh. um, it seems kind of open to anybody. I would think that'd be hard. I would think you'd have to build up to that. I mean, but, but maybe that's part of it too, just cracking through. Yeah. But to me, that's kind of dangerous. I mean,
1: well, sure. Well, I mean, and in the, in the con- well, this is, this is what I want to know more about. I mean, a lot of that, what the very limited amount of stuff that I've, I've read about Nikon is, it seems very psychology based, right? Mm-hmm. Therapy based almost. Mm-hmm. And, if you're doing that in the context of like group therapy or whatnot, I could see that being really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I could also see the benefit of, uh, I can also see the logic of it in a more family-centric kind of um, cultural context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where there's a sort of presumption that your family relationships are sort of the, the primary thing, mm-hmm. right, and that's like more important than other kinds of relationships. So that might be where you would start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think here that would be really challenging. Mm-hmm. But then again, I think that our family dynamics in contemporary America are a little bit different mm-hmm. than other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be easier for us to start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it also seems pretty fundamental. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you can work out your issues with your mother, you're probably pretty good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for working with everything you really want to start there <laughs> on day one? I don't know. It's the hardcore practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess but, I should put in But again, the, I really don't know.
1: I mean, right, know, right, right. Nikon is not. We'll have high, to do some know. more yeah, yeah. research. So we're, we're just, you know, making things up right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm just working off those three questions, which I think are an interesting place to start. Yeah. Um, but I don't practice Nikon. And, you know, it's, it, I think it's kind of a distinct thing. Um, and I think part of Shinshu is realizing I don't have control over my emotions. Um, and so, but, ref, but it does have reflection, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to what degree do we engage in that reflection? Um, to what degree do we even realize that maybe even that reflection is inadequate? Um, and yet, insight can be gained. So I feel like there's always kind of this tension, right? And maybe we can we can find those kind of tensions in the, um, all over the place.